0: So we come to Good Friday, the day of our Lord's death. It is a sombre day, isn't it? The church is very quiet and for most of the day the world seems very quiet too, until the afternoon when some events happen and the shops, some shops open anyway. I have titled this podcast Cynical and Cross because I wish to share with you the link that our Lord made between his institution of the Eucharist in the cenacle, the Upper Room on Holy Thursday evening, and his death on the cross on Calvary on Friday afternoon. And in doing this, I have to acknowledge what I have learnt from two books. The first one is What Jesus Saw from the Cross by an author, A.G. Serratilanges. It's a classic uh, book of spirituality. It's available and published by Sophia uh, Press and also a book by Dr. Scott Hahn called The Fourth Cup. Scott Hahn was a Presbyterian minister who became Catholic in the the 1980s and the Catholic Church owes a great debt to him for his wonderful and deep uh, scriptural scholarship. So let's begin first with a bit of geography. The ancient city of Jerusalem, as it was at the time that Christ lived and died, of course had walls around it, and we know that Christ was taken outside the city to be crucified on the hill of Golgotha or Calvary. That rise or hill stood on the western side of Jerusalem, so that as Christ died on the cross, he faced east, which is significant because the East is the sacred orientation for Christians, and for many centuries the Mass itself was celebrated with the priest and the people both facing in the one direction, usually towards East on the compass, but if not towards what is called the liturgical East, towards the crucifix, and also facing towards the tabernacle. As Christ hung on the cross, because he was lifted up above the earth and also on a hill, he could look just to his right and he would perhaps not see because some buildings might have obliterated his vision, but he knew that behind Herod's palace, as he looked to the right, was the building in which the Cynical was located, where he celebrated the Holy Mass for the first time, instituted the Eucharist. So the cenacle, the place of the Holy Mass, the institution of the Eucharist, and the cross on which Christ died were close together geographically, and they could be seen in a certain symbolic sense, if not in a real sense, from one to the other. Now let's establish the scriptural link between these two places. The Passover ritual that was celebrated by Jesus and the 12 apostles on Holy Thursday night included the drinking of four cups of wine, and each drinking of a cup of wine marked the end of one part of the meal. The first part was the first cup rather was part of the preliminary course which began with the blessing prayer. The second cup of wine included the reading of the Passover story from Exodus and Psalm 113. After the second cup was drunk and those stories were read from Scripture, then came the main course of the meal with the roasted lamb and unleavened bread. And then the celebrant passed around the third cup the cup of blessing. And that's what Christ did, saying those words over the bread and the wine. After that third cup would come the climax of the meal when Psalms 114 to 118 were sung. And then the fourth cup was passed around. And that drinking of the fourth cup indicated the climax and the ending of the Passover meal. But what we know from the Gospel accounts and from St. Paul was that the fourth cup of wine was not drunk. After Christ said the words of institution and consecration over the bread, passed that around, and then over the cup of wine, the third cup, and passed it around, he abruptly brought the Passover meal to an end. Before it should have been, prematurely, if you like. And he went out into the night to the Garden of Gethsemane and the unfolding of his passion. It's impossible to think that even though he was stressed and perhaps uh, his emotions were running high, that Jesus would forget something that he had known all his life. You see, the reason why he terminated the meal or abruptly brought it to a temporary halt was that his idea was that the Passover meal would continue. In fact, in St. Mark's Gospel, we hear that he said after the third cup of blessing, he would not drink wine any more until he drank it anew in the kingdom of God. And in the garden, we know he used the imagery of the cup when he said to his father, Let this cup pass from me. Let not what I will, but what you want. And also on the way up to Calvary, the soldiers offered him some wine mixed with myrrh, which was a very powerful opiate and painkiller, but he does not take it. And when he says on the cross, I am thirsty, is he all of a sudden aware of his thirst? It would have taken great physical strength and caused him immense pain to push him up on his feet, through which there were nails, to be able to overcome the progressive lung collapse which caused death by crucifixion, to be able to say any words, let alone to breathe. So the words from the cross are intentional, they're not haphazard. He says, I am thirsty, because he is about to drink the fourth cup of the Passover meal then once he speaks and says, it is accomplished, he bows his head and dies. But what is accomplished? Yes, perhaps his life, yes, perhaps the salvation of the world, but also the suspended Passover meal. This demonstrates it was the intention of Jesus that his sacrifice to save us began not at his arrest, not at his scourging, not at the carrying of the cross, not as the nails were beaten into his flesh, but at the Passover meal when he instituted the Eucharist. So likewise the new Passover, the Eucharist, does not end in the upper room or when they went out into the night. No, it ended with the death of Jesus on the cross. The new Passover meal, the Eucharist, the Holy Mass, began in the cenacle and it ended on the cross. And this is the source of the Catholic doctrine on the Eucharist, a doctrine that was rejected by the Protestant leaders who broke away from the Church, and apart from the Orthodox Churches is not held by any other Christian denomination. The doctrine is that the Eucharist, the Mass, and the sacrifice on Calvary are one and the same. They cannot be separated, because the Lord himself intended it that way. So every time we go to Mass, we are there, present at the sacrifice of Christ that won our salvation. This is why the Mass is so important. Coming to to the church on Good Friday to commemorate our Lord's death is wonderful and worthy, and all Christians should do it but we don't do it just once a year on this day. Every day, every time Mass is celebrated, the sacrifice of Christ is made present again, and the sacrifice of Christ and its fruits and benefits are made available to us. That's why the Church asks us and commands us to go to Mass at least every Sunday so that we may participate time and time again in the sacrifice of Christ and the benefits and graces that come to us from that death on the cross may be made accessible to us and that we may be changed and transformed by it. So as you go about your Good Friday, remember how important the Mass is. Remember how much you should love it and how much you should be devoted to it. And let us end with the words of one of the hymns for Good Friday. O Jesus crucified, for us you suffered, for us you died on the cross. O blood and water which gush forth from the heart of Jesus as a fount of mercy for us, I trust in you.